This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Con Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkins, and you're listening to the Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 259. I am your host Dustin and today I have with me... This is Ian. This is Steph. We are bringing the latest comic reviews and comic book news from the last two weeks. That would be September 30th through October 13th. We have a total of two books to cover. Quite honestly, I, we, we always have two books to cover, except for when there's an annual. Um, that's not going to happen until December. And that'll be a weird month because I, this is off topic, but we didn't talk really about this last time because I didn't have the article up on the site for the detailed solicitations, but there's a there's a there's a Batman annual coming out in December. For whatever reason, well, it's coming out in the middle of the month. For the year, Detective Comics and only if has. They wait till January. I yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I can see that that's why they're doing it. But what doesn't make any sense is the normal slot of when it would have happened. Well, would are have we been covering Secret the Files? Files is like, coming out, and the Secret. F- we will. Uh, we won't be here on the pot. I mean, like outside of Greater Gotham, because. Well, I guess it just depends on what it turns out to be. Because if it turns out to be like a short anthology of a you know collection of different stories, is a lot of the stuff like that has tended. Well, I see that, but Secret Files has been different things over the years. So typically, in my opinion, it's normally like shorter stories based off based off of different characters to let newer readers know a little bit more about these characters. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it definitely could be something we could end up covering on TBU Extra, but I don't foresee us covering it here on the podcast just just based off of past. I mean, that could change, and when we get closer, and well, it's really going to just depend on what it, we what, when it comes out, what it's going to be. But as of right now, I'm pretty sure it's an anthology because there's a bunch of writers attached to it, so I'm pretty sure it's not going to be as big as like some of the giants that they've been doing with like for Halloween and the holidays and things like that. But it's still probably going to be in that vein. But yes, that being said, there's. I just thought, thought it was weird because looking at the actual release schedule for December, you've got Batman Week 1, Detective Comics Week 2, Batman Week 3, Detective Comics Week 4 in a normal month. But for whatever reason, in December, it's Batman Week 1, Batman Annual, and Detective Comics Week 2, and then Batman again Week 3. So you get three weeks of Batman, and then... Even stranger to me is the fact that Tom Taylor is doing the annual rather than Tom King, which I find strange because you would think Tom King would want to be working on the annual for his series, but he's not. Um, so yeah, that that's that that's weird to me. But then again, I'm you know whatever. 
Tom King is doing something for the Batman Secret Files, though, so we'll see. But anyway, that all being said, we are here to cover the last two weeks, not solicitations that I unfortunately was unable to get posted up prior to the last time. Although I did talk about the big stuff, so it's not like there's anything that we didn't really discuss already. But that all being said, uh, there's a couple of things to talk about. Uh, the one other thing that I didn't rem- that I I knew about. I forgot to bring up last time around is that on September 27th, uh, Sean Murphy's sequel to Batman White Knight was announced. It is called Batman Curse of the White Knight. And, of course, Sean Murphy will return to write and uh, do the art for the series. Um, This is going to be coming out in 2019, I'm guessing January, February. Um, Timing-wise, with the announcement, I would assume it would probably be February. Although that goes that contradicts what you would expect because January solicitations are obviously right around the corner, but the the fact that it didn't say January 2019 in the announcement makes me feel like it's probably February um, or or maybe March. I don't know. I, I imagine it's right around the corner though. They also talked about it at San Diego Comic Con, but basically it says our they're just it, the series is described as. In the ex- this explosive sequel to Sean Murphy's critically acclaimed blockbuster Batman White Knight, the Joker recruits a savage partner to help him expose the shocking revelation about the Wayne family's legacy and run Gotham into the ground. As Batman rushes to protect the city and his loved ones from this corrupt conspiracy, the mis- mystery of the ancestry unravels and deals a devastating blow to the Dark Knight. Exciting new villains and unexpected allies will clash across history in this unforgettable chapter of the White Knight saga, and the truth about the blood they shed will shake Gotham to its core. Um, Also, the series is meant to introduce Azrael, um, and I'm also guessing that the solicitation, the savage partner that Joker's recruiting is probably Azrael, because Azrael's featured pretty prominently on the promo art for the series, along with Joker and Batman, so it's, it's... worthwhile to to probably put that um there was an interview with pace magazine that uh that sean murphy did and he specifically was talking about a variety of different things but one of the things i thought was most interesting is that he specifically was told by his editor hey your politics kind of like accidentally bleed into what you're writing not that you're trying to like push an agenda or anything but politics tend to like what you write kind of trends to be with how society is going right now what if you were to tackle religion which i mean let's be honest here politics religion are very heavy topics that a lot of people try to stray away from but he decided well this is a challenge that i want to take and that's why asriel's being a part of the series and as longtime fans of the batman universe know asriel's a character who's very rooted in religion um so it'll be interesting to see the version of Azrael that we get it will be Sean Paul Valley but it's obviously because it's in this white knight universe it's definitely a different take uh, this will be part of DC Black Label there's no question about that uh, I can assure you there will probably not be any nudity based off of all the controversy we've got from Batman Damned um, but yeah so spiking anybody's interest I just got it in the mail the the trading paperback for that one, but it's been a while since I read the white knight Joker never found out, like, he didn't want to know who Batman was, right? Because when he was in prison, they always kept a mask on, and he was like, no, I don't want to know who he is. So if he never knew in White Knight, it's interesting that he's going after the Waynes. Well, maybe he's going after the Waynes, but it's not he's Batman. directly mm-hmm. related to because of Batman. Yeah. 
that's a possibility. I mean, that also plays into kind of what we saw in yeah. the Telltale series um, with, you know, the Waynes having this, like, controversial, like, the, the, the Waynes having this controversial version of their history, and it somehow bleeds into what what Bruce is as Batman, but not directly because he, Bruce it's Wayne just is a little Batman. too. It's not too um, much of a coincidence. I mean, it's comics, but you know that. Oh, of course. In the first, of course, season, first series, so. he goes after Batman, and the second series, he goes after the Waynes, not knowing that there's any kind of connection. But yeah, it sounds interesting. I, I was just talking about this on the Discord. I don't really get the whole. I don't know why everyone really loved the first one quite as much as they did. I thought it was perfectly fun, but because I'm not a Joker fan, I think that's probably part of why I didn't have a huge investment mm. in it. I am a much I am much more interested in Azrael. Um, someone suggested that Azrael might actually be Jason this time. I'm not interested in that. Uh, but if this is either Jean Paul or Michael Lane, I prefer Jean Paul at this point just because I thought uh, James Tynan did such a funny and enjoyable job of capturing the sort of Chuck Dixon, Denny O'Neill, bombastic Azrael while still being sort of modern today. I really like that character now. But I also really liked Michael Lane in the, just before the New 52 hit. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in Azrael as a character, as long as it's one of the, the classic ones and not like the completely reimagined Jason Topps or like an Arkham Knight situation where they're trying to hide the fact that it's Jason Topps, which I think is fruitless. I agree. Um, my take on why it was so popular, it has to do with the fact that it's partially out of continuity so that you can mess with stuff different version it's the same idea as like why elseworlds work so well in most situations and it's because you take these established characters and you give them slightly different takes on them and that combined with the fact that murphy's art is amazing in my opinion um i'm, I'm pretty sure it's like that elseworlds take on the classic characters you can go into it knowing that you know nothing is actually being affected in normal continuity and i think that has a lot to do with why stuff like this can be so successful. Um, it's part of the reason why Injustice lasted as long as it did was because it's completely out of continuity. I mean, that thing lasted for like eight years, and there was no real reason for it. I didn't find it to be super great, but because it's such, it's something that's like outside of the normal continuity, you can do whatever you want. You don't have like huge ramifications for killing off characters and things like that. It just makes it a, as a possibility that you wouldn't otherwise see. I think that's what brings that stuff to the forefront of like people really enjoying it. And it doesn't, like I said, it also doesn't help or it doesn't hurt it that the art is really, really good. So, yeah. And it's so fun with, with being out of continuity, you know, you, yeah, like you were saying, you can do pretty much whatever you want with no ramification. So, so you don't know what to expect. Like anyone could die, anything could happen. And so it is sometimes more fun to read a story where, where the consequences won't, you know, kill someone's livelihood if someone's working on Nightwing, say, and then uh, you get rid of Nightwing. Um, you know, it's not going to stop the Nightwing label. I don't know. It's fun. It's good fun. All right. So the next bit of news comes from New York Comic Con. So New York Comic Con was, as you're listening to this, two weeks ago. Um, There's surprisingly some pretty decently big news that came out of WonderCon. Uh, the first of which was during the Meet the Publishers panel, there was a announcement that Michael or Brian Michael Bendis will be launching a new imprint that will be called Wonder Comics. This will deal with a number of titles that uh, 
include some of DC's less frequently utilized characters, but specifically young teen versions or preteen versions of characters, including one Tim Drake, who will be returning to his role as Robin. Uh, he is now known as Robin. It's not Red Robin, which we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, Patrick Gleason will be attached to a series called Young Justice, and Brian Michael Bendis himself will be writing it. And the three main characters that they will focus on is Impulse Bart Allen, uh, Superboy Connor Kent, and Robin Tim Drake. So those are the characters that were part of that. Um, obviously, there's a lot of fans of Connor Kent um, that are thrilled that he's coming back, as well as characters of Impulse. Um, but I think that uh, Bat fans are pleased that Tim Drake is going to be at least appearing in a series. Um, as much as I think some of us would want him to have his own solo series, or to have a team series with you know some other characters, spoiler, um, or some of the other characters we've seen recently, um, at least he's he has a place uh, because then he's not, at least not forgotten. Kind of the way Damien is in Teen Titans now, but nobody else is really dealing with him in any of the other books. Um, there's also a number of other uh, titles that are part of this. Not that none of them have to do with Batman specifically or the Batman universe, um, but Wonder Wonder Comics will also include a title called Wonder Twins for Mark Russell and Stephen Byrne, which, as you guessed, deal with the Wonder Twins and Gleek. Um, it didn't say that Gleek was in it, but let's just put it, but let's just be honest here. Gleek is going to be in it. Um, Dial H for the for Hero, which is going to be uh, headed up by Sam Humphreys and Joe Kionis. And a new title called Naomi, uh, which will feature uh, Brian Michael Bendis and David Walker with art from Jamal Campbell. So those are the series that will launch out of it. Obviously, it could grow, in, you know, depending on the reaction to it. Um, but I think the interesting thing to me is that they're they're introducing a couple of new characters instead of like reinventing characters that already existed. But they're also bringing back characters that haven't been used in a long time. Um, there's a character that I think I'm super looking forward to, which is uh, Ginny Hex, which is the great-great-granddaughter of Jonah Hex. And she's like some sort of like time traveler or something. I, I The details are a little bit loose at this point, but... I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, the character Naomi, the that series, is basically she lives in a town. You see the effects of superheroes. It's a very different take. I don't know how successful something like that will long-term be, but it could end up being really successful. Um, the Wonder Twins is kind of questionable as well, but again, I'm not going to not gonna question it until I see it. Um, but Young Justice is also going to have other characters as well pop in. Um, so we could expect to see somebody like Spoiler pop up, which would be cool. Um, but what do we think of Young Justice and Wonder Comics in general? So it's like a prequel? Because you said it's them as teenage or younger younger kids, right? Well, it's just focusing on like younger t teens. The thing is, like Teen Titans in the past was always like mm -hmm. the sidekicks. And then they got older mm -hmm. and became the Titans. But then the new t group of Teen Titans was like Tim Drake and that. And then they grew up and they kind of became Young Justice. That's how it was back in at least the 90s and the early 2000s, if I remember correctly. Ian, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, correct you about what? Wasn't that how Young Justice was set up? Young Justice was kind of like the midway point between Teen Titans and the Titans back uh, when it was around? Uh, I am, I'm, I can't give you an answer on... 
any of the team books. I, I mostly read the Robin Solo stuff. But, I mean, if Tim Drake is Robin, then obviously, you know, it is is in the past. It almost seems like that's putting salt in the wound, that you're bringing up all these characters that don't exist currently. And saying... Bendis has... Well, Bendis keeps saying this about everything he does. is 100% in continuity. I think we're just going to have two Robins. Um, I don't see how this works as a prequel unless they pull a new 52 and just start overwriting the new 52. I have no problem with overwriting the team Titans of the new 52 because of what it did to Tim, but it would be kind of radically different than what they did in most of Rebirth. Most of Rebirth has been massaging continuity from the new 52 rather than outright saying this didn't happen and it's replaced with something completely different. But kind of the way the new, uh, new 52, the way that uh, Rebirth has gone is that even though we've had conversations like, well, who's Connor? I've never heard of him. Um, you can just kind of chalk it to, well, everything's kind of weird and suddenly ever know the news who Connor is. And that would be, I don't know, that'd be kind of interesting the way the way that, you know, um, the Flash came back. Well, the other thing I thought of, while he's gone the again. other thing I thought of is, I think Young Justice is hitting right around the time, I think Doomsday Clock number nine is supposed to come out. And there's a variant cover with the Red Robin suit and like Batman and Wonder Woman and all the heroes. But Red Robin is very prominent on this cover. And the suits are all empty. And I think Dr. Manhattan is like waving at them or something. Um, Mm -hmm. I am very curious. And this is wild speculation. So the people who wanted predictions, here's mine. Um, (laughs) I think that there's a chance that we're going to have a major continuity earthquake event in doomsday clock number nine which allows for young justice to happen something happens with dr manhattan and the missing 10 years that launches a lot of the stuff that's going on in this wonder imprint that'd be fine i mean it's comics right it doesn't have to be too real and since they've already kind of (laughs) set the stage for you know weird crap is happening with time because we're going to pretend that pre-new 52 and 52 both kind of sort of exist at the same time some doing something like this would totally be in in step with that as much and the thing that i'm i take away from this is i think that well at least when it was over when when bendis was over at marvel and this is just my understanding because I don't read a lot of stuff, and honestly, I, I I know what Bendis is best known for, but I don't. I've never really read any of the stuff. I just know like the you know the cliff notes, and probably even less than the cliff notes of some of the stuff that he's done. But my understanding is he was very prominent in the Ultimate Universe, um, like reimagining some of these characters for a more present day situation. Uh, that's where Miles Morales was, Ultimate Spider Man. Um, reimagining who Spider-Man could be in like this more modern take. Um, so I'm guessing that that is kind of what they're aiming for here. Not that they're necessarily trying to reinvent things, but trying to go about the way of what characters can we let him kind of play with that really don't have that really aren't going to affect anything else right now. And I, as much as I hate to say that for a character like Tim Drake right now, it's true. Um, there's there, he's not in any other series. He hasn't even really appeared outside of, you know, like the, he hasn't really, he hasn't appeared at all since the end of J- James Hyen's run in May. So it's been, you know, at this point, like uh, four, four months since he's even popped up in a, in a title. 
So the thing is, like, does he matter? Yes, to us as Bat fans and Tim Drake fans, yes, he matters. As a as a general DC Comics fan, probably not as much as a lot of other characters that are currently appearing right now. And that's that's not a good situation. But if he can be in this series and have a prominent role and have a purpose, by all means, I'm all for it. Um, I didn't the the you know going back to the beginning of Rebirth. Damien, in a way, because they ended the Damien solo series, they weren't doing a Batman and Robin series at the beginning of Rebirth, having Damien become 13 so that he could be part of the Teen Titans, because whether or not Super Sons was happening or whatever, there, you know, the intent was the main book initially when Rebirth was announced was Damien's going to be in Teen Titans. And if you remember, during the New 52, that was exactly the same thing they did with Tim Drake. Well, Tim Drake isn't going to have a solo series anymore. He's not going to be teaming well they didn't say this but he wasn't going to be around batman anymore which we learned later on but then eventually it just was he's just in teen titans that's just where he's at and the thing is that is not something i want as a batman fan i'd rather him have his own solo series but i feel like dc's very wary about giving the sidekicks and supporting characters solo series as as much as they have in the past i don't know that they have as much confidence in the the solo series for supporting characters as much as they used to and i don't know why that is quite honestly because like they you know obviously nightwing has his series and he had a series during the new 52 harley quinn has her series and had her series to the new 52 you know you had batgirl you had birds of prey so, I mean, like, there's no reason why, except for somebody at DC is not really caring about some of these characters. Um, and I think that's part of the biggest explanation as to why they're not being used. So to have Bendis come in and use the characters is better than not having the characters used. So as much as I don't want to see uh, yet another team book having characters from the Batman universe as part of it, and that being the only place they ever appear, I it's better than nothing, in my opinion. I just hope that we have Outsiders and Young Justice starting in December and January, and Steph hasn't been seen uh, for the same amount of time as Tim, and I think that she deserves not... I would say she doesn't deserve as much exposure as Tim in terms of history and recorded popularity, even though I love her a lot more, personally. But I think that it would be appropriate for her to show up at least in Young Justice because she was last seen heading off into the sunset with Tim, and I think Bendis should address that. I'm afraid they're going to address that by saying either, oh, we broke up and I don't really care about her anymore, or she'll be dead because DC hates me personally. But I want something. Well, I don't think DC hates you personally. I think you just read a little too much into what their decisions. I don't think they have a wall on their editorial boards that say, how can we that, piss that was Ian off? <laughs> I, I know, I know. Um, all right, so outside of that news, the other news that came out of New York Comic Con was there was a little bit more details re- revealed for uh, the three Jokers, Batman Three Jokers. Um, as far as details, it's nothing that we haven't actually already heard, but there was concept art. Um, if you head over the site and look at the news area, three Joker or NYCC three Jokers concept art and details revealed, you'll see the three versions of the Joker as well as the concepts for Red Hood, Batgirl, and Batman appearing in the series. 
one prominent thing is Batman's ovals back, which is what we've already seen in Doomsday Clock. So the assumption is that this is taking place in that same vein of the timeline of Doomsday Clock is happening in the future. This three Joker series is probably happening slightly in the future, at least depending on when it comes out. Um, this is happening in continuity, which I think a lot of people have forgotten because a lot of the black label stuff is outside of continuity, but this is inside of continuity. Um, and I'm wondering if the reason this is in black label is less about, well, it's more outside of continuity or it's more creative or creative freedom and uh, things like that more so than, uh, they want to release it on their own release schedule and they don't want to get, you know, you know, they don't want to have fan uproar because of it. Um, and it seems like DC Black Label is the place where you could just have the freedom to release stuff when you want it to and not necessarily get a bunch of backlash. Um, the Jokers also have changed. So initially, if you remember in DC Rebirth and actually what they were hinting at before, there was three versions of the Joker that were going to be featured. Um, there was the classic Joker, like the Jerry Robinson Joker. There was the Joker from The Killing Joke. And then there was the Greg Capullo Scott Snyder Joker um, that we saw during the New 52. That has changed now, and they're no longer doing the Greg Capullo Scott Snyder Joker. Instead, it's described as the Killing Joke Joker, the 60s slash classic Joker, and the original appearance Joker. So the original appearance Joker, I'm assuming they're referencing Jerry Robinson, but it, it clearly does not look exactly like Jerry Robinson other than just the style of what he's wearing. Um, but I don't know how that character differs all that much compared to the classic Joker. Um, the classic Joker is also you know, s described as the 60s Joker. So when you look at it, it looks very like Neil Adamish. It has very much of what Neil Adams did with the Joker in the 70s, which was the most popular Joker that was out there at the time. Like every piece of Joker merchandise was this Joker. Um, but it doesn't really remind me of the 60s other than I guess that's maybe when the time frame of that's that, that concept was come up, that came up. I don't know. But it's interesting to me because it, it basically also, when you're looking at it, it actually is more of a golden age, silver age, and more of like a late bronze, early modern age, um, you know, split between the, the types of Jokers. I'm actually pleased that they're not dealing with the Joker that Greg Capullo did, but I feel like somehow that stuff is still going to bleed into somehow going to bleed into um, what they're talking about. And maybe one of the Jokers that is represented here actually is the Joker from the New 52 that Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder were working on. So, well, as much as I would love to say wait and see, I uh, I mean, you could go over and check out the art I'm talking about right now and trying to get, you know, get an idea. But uh, it is the, that is what it, that, that's what we've got as of um, right now. I am really excited about this series mostly because Jason Faybach's on art. I've loved Faybach ever since he did a lot of the early Batman Eternal issues. He's just got such a rich and detailed style and a really a really iconic take on the characters no matter what era he's drawing in. So I think that's a huge draw for me. I think that the costumes are just another problem that Jeff Johns is creating with his delays on doomsday clock that book is dragging everything down in terms of where they can go with characters what they can do with continuity and costume design and i think I, i'm gonna say this every episode i just am frustrated that doomsday clock is so long and they don't 
make him get a second artist to, to get that book out because mm-hmm. it's taking too long. In terms of the three Jokers versions, I am actually disappointed they're not dealing with Greg Capullo's Joker because I want one of the original Jokers or Jason Todd to kill that annoying, obnoxious, overpowered, edgy piece of garbage. Um, I think that it's Black Label because John's lost his executive position and they're sort of trying to give him something to honor his his work for the company without giving him as much creative control and Black Label seems to be sort of a you are an A-plus creator in our book, we want to recognize that with this this label. That's definitely one way to look at it. I was also thinking even if if it's in continuity it, it almost seems like it's not going to actually matter that much and not affect things very much. Like especially with the way Tom King doesn't seem to talk too much with the other creators. I would wonder if this would have any effect whatsoever on on the Batman series. Yeah. I doubt it will. I mean, honestly, I mean, like, I feel like a lot of the stuff that's happening in a lot of the other books has nothing to do with them. I mean, the, the perfect example here is if you've been reading the Titans series and... The Okay, this is actually kind of a bad example, but I'm going to use it as my example anyway. If you've been reading Titans, uh, Nightwing is in charge of the team. Nightwing is a very prominent member of the team. He went and he handpicked the people he wanted to be on his team. Um, that's what happened back when the Justice League books relaunched. And even though Titans and Teen Titans didn't renumber, they technically relaunched with like specials that happened in June. Okay, July rolls around. He's in charge of the team. You have you you have this idea that you know Teen Titans, Titans, Justice League, Justice League Dark, Justice League Odyssey are all somehow connected because that's what Scott Snyder keeps telling everybody about how all these Justice and Team books are all interconnected and they all have a purpose and there's all a reason for it. You know, you've got Justice League who deals with the normal stuff. You've got Justice League Dark to deal with the magical stuff. Odyssey to deal with the space stuff. You've got Titans who's going to deal with like behind the scenes like Batman's. Black Ops team, which turned out to be, not be true at whatsoever, because let's be honest, uh, that that became Batman and Out- the Outsiders, which had nothing to do with Snyder at all. You've got Teen Titans, which is doing their own thing, just a different group of characters or a select group of characters that weren't in it before. And then you've got, you've got, uh, so that so that was the explanation. You're like, oh yeah, everything's connected, everything's connected. And then some weird things happen with Titans, where it went from being monthly to going back to twice per month for some reason. But if you look at what's going on in Titans, there was a specific storyline that was going where, you know, there was there was friction between Nightwing and Miss Martian, and then suddenly Nightwing gets shot in the pages of Nightwing, or not in the pages of Nightwing, but in the pages of Batman. He loses his memory in the pages of Nightwing. He's a completely different person. The latest issue of Titans addresses that he has been shot. It also addresses the fact that uh, Roy Harper is dead because of Heroes in Crisis. But where does the series go from there? Like, Roy Harper wasn't on the team, so that's... I mean, he was on the team in the past, and that's why they were reacting to him. But where does that team book go with their main, with with their main lead, you know, their main character leader who was on the book from the very beginning, not part of the series anymore? You know, are they just going to ignore what's going on in the other books? I don't know. But the thing is, 
the the classification from Snyder of all of these team books are connected and we want them to all make sense together, but then you have something like this happen in one book and somehow it is affecting the other book, but what is the long-term plan for this? Like, is Titans not going to have Nightwing in it? Because if that's the case, we're not going to be covering Titans anymore on the website because there's nobody else that's part of the, that team that's Batman-related. But it's it goes back to that, you know, the continuity. How are these books affecting the other books? And, you know, we see sometimes we see, like, with Heroes in Crisis, the first issue came out. There was ramifications that happened in the pages of Green Arrow. There was ramifications that happened in Titans, for example, like I said. But, like, you see some reactions to what's happening. Well, like, Doomsday Clock's been happening because they have put it in this, like, near future. There's no, there's nothing happening. It doesn't matter how long it takes for it to come out, unfortunately, because it's in the future. Eventually, it will catch up. I mean, like, it was almost like they built that in so that they could run into issues if they needed to and delay if necessary, but <sighs> rant over. I think that Justice League and the main solo books have never mashed up very well. They might reference each other like Chris Priest did, a, I think, a nice job referencing the engagement of Batman and Catwoman with the whole weird Jessica kisses Batman and then she has a nice moment with Catwoman at the end of the run. So you have little moments like that, but I honestly can't see the Batman of any Batman run, even Scott Snyder's, really being involved in the Justice League like he is in any run that I've ever read. He just spends too much time and money on all those satellites and tech, and I'm mm-hmm. sitting here thinking, how in the world does he have time to be the gar- Dark Knight of Gotham if he's on this league? So... To me, Justice League and all the other team books, they're sort of, yeah, they're in continuity with these solo books if you want to look at them, but they're not essential. And Mm -hmm. I think that's fine. People like them. I don't, so I just read the solo books and the, like, small teams like Batman and the Outsiders, which I think probably will fit better because it's a much more grounded and earth political book rather than, like, a, Mm -hmm. a, a universe political book. That being said, I do love Justice League Odyssey, so like I don't want to diss all of this. Yeah, and I've actually been enjoying Justice League Dark, even though I don't tend to like a lot of the magical and the supernatural stuff that is happening in that book, but the way Tynion is writing it's actually really interesting. I mean, it obviously doesn't doesn't hurt that Detective Chimp is in the What? Dustin's either, like but, third favorite um, characters in a book and but, he likes it? I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Yeah. Yeah, shocking. Um no, but it's but but the thing is like it it is slightly annoying because it it does come across as like there's no real explanation as to why certain characters are part of certain teams. Like you've had Nightwing leave Gotham because he doesn't want to have anything to do with Gotham, and then go to Bloodhaven to establish his own thing. But then over in Titans, he's running a team that's basically like the B squad for the Justice League, which was dictated by the Justice League, including Batman. And it's one of those things where it's like, but why? Why is it happening? Like, like, I'm not, that's not to say that I would want to go back to, like, the 90s where a lot of the team books were, like, I'm talking early 90s here, but, like, a lot of the team books were, like, not throwaway characters, but very much less well-known characters. Like, what Titans was in the early 90s was quite sad. And if you have a... Ch- not that I encourage you to go pick them up, but... If you somehow stumble across a pile of Titans books from the uh, early '90s, they're they're not they're not good. 
Um, just like the, a lot of the team books around that time were just not very good. Um, and I think that, I think the biggest thing is just having team books jeopardizes what you're trying to accomplish in other titles. Like it, there's nothing wrong with having reactions happening, but the thing is a lot of the time, the stuff that happens in the books, it has like, especially if you want it to feel like it's heavy, it has, has weight to what's occurring. You don't want it to be completely ignored in the other titles. I do like that there are certain writers who feel compelled to like have those nods to some of the other stuff that's happening in, outside of their own titles, but there's not very many writers right now. The vast majority of DC's like top-tier writers um, do not adhere to the idea that there are other books being published. They care about what they're publishing and what their story is. They don't give a crap how it affects the other titles. And it's it's really bad that way, in my opinion. But I think that that's what it is. As nice a guy as Scott Snyder is, he has sort of set this pattern for for a lot of writers of being really. I really don't like saying this, but I feel like he's an extraordinarily selfish writer. And I think there's a certain amount of writing yourself, expressing yourself in any writing. But there was a sense all the way from Denny O'Neill in the 70s through Chuck Dixon and Doug Monk in the 90s through Rucka and Brubaker in the 2000s and then Grant Morrison in the early, the late 2000s and early 2010s where everyone saw themselves as being part of a team and you may have really great ideas like Batman Incorporated or Nightfall or Denny O'Neill's directions like Year One and The Killing Joke and all these things that really fundamentally changed the character. All of these fundamentally changed the character of Batman, but they worked together. Scott Snyder has explicitly said, as Tom King has said, that he doesn't work well with others. He doesn't like telling other people what to do. Scott Snyder said, I don't write my Batman with any actor or other person's Batman in mind because he has to be my own character. And I just think that's a fundamentally selfish way to write a character who's been around for 80 years and I don't think that you should write that way if you're writing collaboratively. But it is the dominant mode because Scott Snyder and Tom well, King sell more than any other character times two, pretty much. But see, I don't think it, it, it I don't think it just comes down to them because even when you look at some of the other titles prior to or, or, or like during the New Fifty Two, you look at some of the other titles. During the New 52, you could chalk up a lot of, like, the we're ignoring continuity to, well, they're just trying to establish their own thing. Rebirth kind of, like, reset that mindset. At least that was the intent, and that's what they told us they were doing. But, like, the idea of Batman not having, you know, not tying into the other stuff, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, like, we see these connections. Like, obviously, Nightwing just got shot, so Nightwing's own solo series is affected by that, and they have to go off and go write affected, you mean completely tanked and and thrown in the garbage? Yes. Oh, yeah. And honestly, looking back after what has happened over the last, just, you know, couple of issues, I honestly feel like Percy had an idea of what he wanted to do. Somebody came to him, probably somebody higher up at... at, uh, DC, <coughs> Dan DiDio, and he specifically said, 
listen, this is what's happening. Tom King wants to shoot Nightwing in the head. It needs to have, you know, it needs to have an effect on Nightwing because we need to make sure that Batman is going to have to deal with what's happening because of what he's planning on doing with in, in the pages of Batman. Percy was probably like, well, I had an idea for what I wanted to do and I'm trying to do it. And they basically said, well, we appreciate that you wanted to do something. But this is our top-selling book, and this is the writer who's on our top-selling book. He wants to do this, so we're going to do it. And then, in turn, Percy's like, I guess I'll do that. I'll tank everything in the direction I've been going and just forget about it. And then he tried to do it with, you know, with issue number 50. And then shortly thereafter realized this isn't going to work. I don't want to write this character the way that he's been, you know, put he's not this isn't the character i wanted to write i wanted to write my you know the version of that man with connections yeah so the thing is like i think that dc has reactionary let tom king affect another book and not to say that this hasn't happened before scott, scott snyder did the exact same thing with some of the characters during uh Court of Owls. He did the he did some of the same things with the characters during um, the Zero Year, where they had those zero year tie, zero year tie ins and like changing some of the past of some of the characters just because they were tying in have had to have this zero year tie in. Uh, they did the same thing with Joker uh, with the Joker story, uh, Death Death of the Family. Like there was fundamental things that were happening in, in Snyder's run and now in Tom King's run that is affecting the other books, but they're not looking at it like Tom King and Scott Snyder are not looking at it from the perspective of this is affecting what other people are doing. They're just looking at it from how can I make my mm-hmm. story my story? And that's the problem. It, that's the problem with what's happening right now. Like, I appreciate DC, you know, at the beginning of the New 52, they made this big deal about we want to make sure that people who just want to read Batman can read just Batman. Or people who just want to read Detective Comics can just read Detective Comics. I appreciate that. But going back on that, like, less than a year later, by having books tie into the one series that everybody's, you know, buying, not or not directly tying in, but making them reference and saying, hey, this is Night of Owls. Have you read Court of Owls? No? Well, why not? Go pick it up right now. It's available in trade, the first volume. And the thing is, like, it's one of those things that just, it bugs me because saying we don't want everything connected, but we have this necessity to have books tie into what sells really well is really annoying and they 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 get at least i will say this at least with the wedding and how the wedding happened they at least did not force those wedding preludes to take place in the actual main characters who are involved in those preludes books Mm -hmm. because that would have sucked really bad so i give them props for that but that that's all for you like things to tie in and and be in continuity but when they're huge things that destroy, like Nightwing is destroyed right now. <laughs> um, it's yes. That's that's not that's not a it's, question. It's no boy no. Yeah, the thing is, it's it, like yes, I love things tied in. I love continuity, but it's not. It, it has more to do with like the idea of like this collaboration mm-hmm. of a group of writers rather than one person controlling the fate of characters mm-hmm. they don't even normally work with. Yeah, and that's the biggest problem. Like, I don't want 
Nightwing's fate to be decided by Tom King, who has only had him appear mm-hmm. in a couple of issues. That's not what should be happening. The person who's writing Nightwing mm-hmm. should have the creative ability to write Nightwing the way they feel Nightwing needs to be written. If they want Nightwing to be an amnesic, you know, this guy who's got amnesia and, and is a is a loner, fine. Let them do that and let them see if it mm-hmm. fails by themselves. Don't yeah. put the writer in a position where they have to write this because somebody else decided to do this. But then that person who decided to do it isn't even going to show the the ramifications of what actually occurred because that's what's yeah. bugging me so badly about this Nightwing thing is he gets shot in the head and we immediately go to Batman going for vengeance instead of dealing with the fallout of this emotional thing that happened to his 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 mm-hmm. you know his his ward and that's the thing it's the same exact thing he did with with Catwoman the Catwoman thing blew up and instead of seeing what happens he we get go mm-hmm. right into something else and we just see like small hints of him being angry and him being frustrated and that's really just i don't know i like i don't know i just keep thinking of a year ago when he, tom king was interviewed at New York Comic Con, and he made the comment about, you know, I don't want there to be a fine line of this is what happens and this is when it happens. I want people to kind of read it and interpret it their own way. And I keep thinking, how could you possibly think that that is a good method? You of don't writing? talk to a lot of creative writing majors, do you, Dustin? <laughs> I don't give a. I mean, but that's the like. Here's the thing. Okay, I am positive. Like, if you look, and I and I, I can't sit here and say which ones, but I would assume. That if you look at like the top selling groups of books, not just like a single book, but like uh, like a group of books, not comic books, but like books, fiction books that are, that sell really well, the writers who are writing those books and the ones that do really really well in sales and end up getting like movie deals or TV deals or whatever they end up getting turned into, those books. I I doubt greatly that like you're sitting there reading the book and imagining what happens in between what's being written because they're they're laying it out for you. Well, just know. aside I, from that, I mean, when you're writing for such a popular guy like Batman, and depending on what other authors do, if they're if they're looking at that, going, okay, now our story has to line up with this more or less, especially if it's something so major. It does matter what you're writing, and it does matter what happens between, because exactly. it's going to affect other writers. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. And it and it just goes back to like what Ian was saying about yeah. just being selfish writers. And and it, it's not saying that the person themselves are selfish. You know, Scott Snyder and Tom King are actually yeah, very I, nice Yeah, I want to stress. Like, I've talked but to both just of them. doesn't really nice. Yeah, but- it's... Yeah, they're really good guys, but the problem is they just, they, they don't, they're they're there to tell their story, and that's what it comes down to. And how everything else plays out, you know, how it does in the other books, that's not their concern because they're just telling their story. And that's the thing. Like, it's a very different mindset. And I don't know if – and I, I honestly believe that a lot of it has to do with editorial. They let these writers who sell really well do what they want, and they don't – care about what happens in the other titles and how that could affect those other titles because they just assume well hey this book's selling 100k every single month we're gonna let them do it because it's selling 100k if the one book that sells 30k suddenly goes down to 20k well that's a big drop it's not like batman's making up the difference Mm -hmm. in what that book is the other book's losing and that's the thing that i think editorial should be able to step in and say wait a second here you know, you're affecting this character and sales are going way down. 
You're not selling 10,000 more copies to make up that difference. You affected that character. That's not something that's okay. And that's where they should be drawing the line. And I don't think they are. And I think there's, during the New 52, there was plenty of series that, like, were doing, like, you know, decent numbers. And they had slowly dropped over time. And it's not directly related to what was happening. But the fact that, like, everything was its own story. Everything was not connected. There's characters doing different things in different books and contradicting it. That's a big problem, in my opinion. Like, it just, it doesn't work. And I know long-time listeners are going to say, Dustin, just shut up, man. You talk about this too much. Not everything can be connected. Continuity is not the be-all, end-all. And that's, you know, you just get get off your high horse. And But the reality of it is, you know, I might not, I might think that, I know I'm not the only one. I know there's a lot of readers out there who really want the stuff to be connected. Not in a way where you must read everything, but connected in a way where like you're at least addressing characters, you know, the things that are happening to characters. And I say that knowing yes, what happened in Batman happened in Batman with with Dick Grayson and now it's being, you know, mentioned and reacted to in the pages of Nightwing, but I don't think it should go that direction. I think it should go the other direction. If something happened in Nightwing then it should be like related. So if the the if the idea was Tom King has this idea of how to make uh, Batman you know really really badly emotionally hurt with the stuff with Catwoman, then the writer on Nightwing says, "What if we did this? I've got this idea where we take Nightwing and he loses his memories and he becomes a completely you know 180 opposite of what he actually is." And they're like, well, that would be great. I bet I could make it, I could tell a story that would also have, like impact my story and make it you know, jump out further. And then that's what ends up happening. But that's not what happened. It's the reverse of that. And Tom King is affecting what's happening in the other books. Well, so, I, I have two anyway. comments on what you're saying because I think okay. we've got a lot of really, really good reactions and insights there. Um, I think that when you talk about things mattering, but you don't have to read all the books. I think what you're talking about is sort of what J.R.R. Tolkien achieved when he wrote Lord of the Rings. He had all these languages and histories and stuff, and you didn't have to read, like, the Silmarillion or the appendices to get what was happening in Lord of the Rings, but you still had a sense that when he mentions this one name, it's not just someone he made up on the fly. That person has weight and significance in the same way. If you're reading Batwan and Nightwing shows up, you should have this sense that Nightwing has his own life that's contained in Nightwing. You don't gotta read Nightwing, but... He's not just some character that's brought on. He's got his own life. And right now it feels like Tom King is treating Nightwing like, no, he doesn't really have his own life. He can just come in and fill in for Batman. We don't have to see him filling in for Batman. He just sort of references that and shows up in one panel. Um, the other thing is, I think it wouldn't matter as much that things are disconnected if we really were satisfied with the stuff we were seeing. I think back to about three months ago when we were in the middle of Percy's Nightwing run and we had Lee Weeks and Elizabeth Wrightweiser on art for Tom King. And we had, I'm trying to remember what else was happening, but those are the, those are the big ones. Um, or, or we could go back further to, to when, you know, Tom King was in the middle of, uh, running up to the wedding and you had, uh, James Tynan, you know, at the peak of his detective comics run. There was a sense to me. That, yeah, there were questions about how all these books related to each other, but I was enjoying them on a week-to-week basis. I was enjoying my favorite characters in Detective Comics. I was enjoying the emotional journey I was getting in, in Batman. Now, I just have to have faith that Tom King is going to be doing a good job in the long-term story. Because I'm not enjoying it on a week-to-week sense as much. So it's not 
my mind isn't satisfied, so it asks these questions. When my mind is more satisfied by the stories I'm reading, I can ask those questions, but it's more about, it would be nice, rather than a, this is part of the essential enjoyment, because I'm not getting it from the writing itself. So I think there's a couple different things going on that I think you're rightly reacting to. In defense of Tom King, though, and I don't do a lot of, you know, reading of... of Twitter or, or the, the motivations behind stuff, there's not been any mention, I don't think, of memory loss in Batman Has There or of personality change. Like, no, there well, hasn't been any mention is, of anything. He, he basically just was like, he got shot in the head. Then and why, then why did Nightwing write him as having memory loss and a personality change? Like, it doesn't appear to me that that's a King Day... King, Tom King well, mandate. Nightwing that's, takes yeah, place I guess like in, three in, months in the defense after. Of that. So Batman's like right after he got shot. Batman goes to hunt down KGBs, and Dick is like in a coma. Nightwing's like three months later when he's walking around again. Right, but if it's true that Nightwing doesn't affect I, Batman and isn't going to be in Batman, then then why go so far as to say we're going to completely relaunch Nightwing as 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 Uber Robin or Uber Nightwing? You know, Uber Rick. <laughs> Uber Rick, right? Um, driving, I don't know, it just doesn't seem completely fair unless it really was Tom King and he is going to use the amnesia in his story to say it's all Tom King's fault that Nightwing is so drastically different. Because from what I've seen, at least, it doesn't look like they are going so far as to say, yes, Dick Grayson is in the hospital and he may have amnesia and personality change. Wait, here's the question, though. Okay, so maybe Tom King didn't say he has amnesia. He doesn't say that he's not going to be Nightwing. Maybe Tom King doesn't decide that. But the, uh, I, I guess uh, maybe this is an assumption on my part, and we all know what you do when you assume. But the assumption on my part is that if Tom King wanted this character to be shot in the head and for it to matter, it would make sense if something like this, or at least what we're seeing play out in Nightwing, happened. Because if he just got shot in the head and he was just hurt, okay. And and honestly, what we're seeing in Tom King's run with the KGB storyline right now, what we're what we're actually seeing is not something that would be outside of the character of Batman. So, like in in the defense of Tom King, sure, maybe there is a there is another direction, but I feel like. I don't know. It, it comes down to, like, the problem is we just don't know who it was. And unless Percy speaks up on his own, which I don't think he will, because unless he gets a lot of really good TV deals, which I know he does have some TV deals in the works um, with stuff, I don't know that he would, like, burn bridges with DC by saying also, what actually happened. Also, Percy's a unlike but certain other comics writers on the news recently. Yeah, so the thing is, with him being the way he is, I don't see Percy coming forward and saying, listen, I intended to do this. DC came to me and said, Tom King's doing this. We want you to do this as reactionary to that, which is going to tank my entire story that I was doing. And I'll say this. I wasn't enjoying what was happening in Nightwing leading up to you know Nightwing number 50. The Nightwing number 50 stuff, as much as I disagree with it, it is interesting, and I'll say that. Um, I don't like the direction they're taking the character, but I do find it more interesting than what we're getting with this that weird digital stuff. Counterpoint. So there's I that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's there's that aspect of it. So yeah, there's that. 
Um, I do feel like it just comes down to DC wanted to push this correct this character in a specific direction. Um, there's been a lot of talk online about this is Dan DiDio trying to get Dick to be somebody different. Um, one of the questions he was asked at New York Comic Con at one of the panels that I read online was somebody said, "What what is the thing that you dislike, or what's the thing you like you dislike the most, or something like that about characters within the DC universe?" And he said something about the fact that like. You have characters like sidekicks that eventually grow up. You show them growing up, but eventually you get to a point where you can't have them grow up any further because they can't become as old as their counterparts. They're, you know, the original characters. So, like, you have Barry Allen, who is Barry Allen. He's never really changed in age. You know, obviously, there's a, there's a chance that he's aged, but he's that age where you don't see age actually taking effect, you know, from, like, the late 20s to the early 40s, age doesn't have a giant effect, especially if you stay in shape and things like that. With a character like Knight, uh, with Dick Grayson, going from a 12-year-old boy as Robin to being like a 20-something-year-old man as Nightwing, that's, that, that is definite age change. And you've got this happening with other characters. Tim Drake has gotten older, not as old, not as much older, older as you know nightwing with about like at least 10 years of age difference but then you have like damien who came in and was very young and now has they they specifically put a number on it and said he is 13 so you have these like age gaps that they're making certain characters older because you want to see the progression of the character not just have them be that same age the entire time but there is a limitation on how old you can make the characters so he was saying he made he said something about like it's really difficult to have characters age because you can't but keep having them age. killing them off doesn't just seem can't. like a very nice solution to that problem <laughs> it's not but i mean honestly that seems like the only option he's, he seems to think he has because he's done it with wally west he has tried he tried to do it with nightwing before um, and now we've got Nightwing in a different, completely different situation, but he's he tried, tried to kill, to kill off, off Nightwing. Brown. He tried so to he, erase he, Cassandra Cain. He, he tried to kill off lots of characters. Yeah, so I mean, like, there are definitely, I think that the deal just does not like sidekicks. It doesn't matter who they are. I don't think he likes sidekicks or younger versions of characters that are associated with older versions because the younger characters, and maybe that's why Bendis is doing what he's doing with, with the Wonder Comics imprint is, He's doing what he's doing because of everything that's been happening with the younger characters. You know, they don't have a real, like, handle on what they want to do with the characters. Maybe Bendis is getting, you know, he basically was like, well, let's see, what can I play with? And I'm like, well, you can play with whatever you want. And he's like, well, what characters could I really play with, though, and, like, do whatever I want? And they're like, well, if you want to do whatever you want, take this massive group of characters that we mm-hmm. really don't like. So... Okay, so as much as I would love to continue this, we got to get into the reviews here. One hour later, because wow, we've been talking. Yeah, we've been talking about that for a while. So uh, that is all the news. Um, as as always, if you head over to the site, all of the news, as well as the detailed solicitations that I, I mentioned, we didn't have up on the site before. They are up on the site now, so you can take that, take a look at that for December. Like I said, there was nothing that I didn't already discuss before, but that is happening, and it's over on the site. So, normal news will be on the site for you guys to check out. Outside of that, let's jump straight into our comic book reviews and hit Batman. Batman number 56, written by Tom King, art by Tony Daniel. 
An old man sits alone with a shotgun on his lap. He hears gunshots, then a voice calls from outside in Russian to put down his gun and open the door. In response, he blasts the door with his shotgun. The man who calls himself Zimmerman in the last issue kicks it down, knocking the old man over. The old man greets him as Tolia, and the man who shot Nightwing calls him father. In Gotham, Batman coldly beats the man who sold KGBs, Anatoly Nyezev. I apologize to all Russian speakers and Russian listeners. Um, I, I don't know how to pronounce Nyezev, but uh, he's called Tolia by his father as a diminutive nickname. So Batman beats this man who sold KGBs the gun, uh, then tells Alfred he can find his man, perhaps the best professional killer in the world. KG Beast asks his father how long it's been since he drank. 26 years. As he reminisces about how his father was a beast when drunk in his memories, he gives the old man a glass of alcohol. And he drinks. Fighting ninjas alongside Bronze Tiger, Batman learns that KG Beast killed everyone who trained him except his father. Tiger expresses concern for Bruce's pain due to Selina and Dick, but Batman insists that he tell him where KG Beast's father is. Tolia's father asks about how he lost his arm then slaps him when he finds out that Batman took his arm and Beast did not take one of Batman's in payment. Batman, captured by the new god Kanto and suspended upside down, demands to know where KG Beast is, even though Kanto thinks he's just going to saw Batman in half. Threatening to reveal Kanto's whereabouts to Orion, he learns that KG Beast's father is still alive, then escapes his bonds and knocks Kanto out. As Tolia's father continues to drink, Tolia tells him that he was recently paid a lot of money to take Batman's son. The old man approves, but says an arm is more important to a man than a son. As Batman works his way through the Russian bureaucracy, he learns that KG Beast's father lives 307 kilometers from anywhere, in weather too cold for vehicles or animals. After wrecking three bat planes, Bruce starts walking an over-two-day trek without stopping. He loses Alfred's signal, but continues walking with the sound of the wind, snow, and his footsteps as the only thing in the world. Tolia's father asks why he kept him alive when he killed his mother and siblings. Tolia says he loved him because he was strong, and still loves him. The old man says such love is a weakness, and says that he let Tolia be weak, as he loves his son too. In response, KGB shoots him through the head, then finishes his drink. As he puts down the glass, he hears Batman's footsteps in the snow. So... The, the shape of Tom King's story is beginning to become clearer in the second of three issues of this KGB arc. Um, it's a follow-up, interestingly, to his one-shot, The Better Man, where you see Dick and Bruce's relationship in the past and the present. And so here, in the first issue, you saw more of the father-son relationship between Batman and Nightwing, sort of a father grieving and a son trying to help his father grieve and recover and heal. Here, we see Batman contrasted with the old man, the father of KGBs and KGBs. So my question, my first question is, do you think Bruce is supposed to be a, a good father in this arc? I would say the intent is that he's supposed to be a good father, but I mean, there's definitely these mere comparisons between uh, KG Beast's father being this hard, maybe a little too hard, and maybe driven him to the point where he has become something that uh, he would have otherwise not. And I think there's supposed to be some sort of mere comparison to maybe Bruce pushed Dick Grayson 
to a point where he became something that he's not. I don't see that in this in the sense of like what we're being shown in any of the books right now. But I guess if you take a look at the Titans TV series that's on DC Universe right now, uh, you definitely see that. And I don't know. I, I doubt that that is. I'm sure that's not the intent. But it's it is one of those things where like in the pages of Nightwing. I don't get the suspicion that Nightwing has gone, you know, has been pushed in a direction that Batman has forced him to do something. Yes, would Dick be Nightwing or a vigilante in general if it wasn't for Bruce taking him in? Probably not. But there's no way for us to know that for sure. But I would assume no. You know, Dick would not be a vigilante costume hero if it wasn't for Bruce taking him in and him, you know, having him become Robin. But at the same time, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, I guess you could look at it in the sense of maybe it was a bad thing because because he was Nightwing, he put him in harm's way and that's why he got shot. But I don't think that that's a good explanation or connection. Um, so if it is meant to be some sort of mirrored version of it, it's not the greatest mirrored version of it. Because I don't see Batman being, you know, obviously it's a different, it's a different take, but it's not, it's not like he's pushing him to do something that's, I don't know, like to the same extreme as what KG Beast has become. Well, wouldn't so I don't you think see that, that Batman not as a connect- being abusive towards Dick would be like a positive contrast? Well, yeah, it could be a positive contrast, but I don't think that's. The, I don't know. I I feel like the connect. I feel like the connection is he pushed him to become Robin, and then he became Nightwing, and he was in harm's way because of his relationship with Batman. If he wasn't, if he wasn't in the, if he didn't have a relationship with Batman, he wouldn't have been shot. And maybe that's what the in- attempt of what they're trying to accomplish here is is just basically to say, hey. This is what happens because of this connection. And like KG Beast is who he is because of what his father did. And I think that that would be the most obvious connection. But I just don't see it that way. I don't see. I mean, like, that's probably not what Tom King's in, in, you know, trying to imply here. But I feel like if there is some sort of mirror mirror of what is happening, it's not like, I don't know. I I guess I just don't see the if there's meant to be a connection, which definitely feels like there should be because of what's being shown with the father of KG Beast. I don't see it being trying to be anything but what I've been saying. So I just don't know why. That would be the, the the thought process of what they're trying to. What if show. it's not mirrors so much as parallels? Like I think back to you know the when was it I am Bane? I don't remember where they 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 draw the parallels between Bruce, Bruce's uprising and Bane's uprising, and how there were so many similarities. In this case, yes, you know he may be a drunk, abusive father, but it does look like at least that he tried to raise his family the best way he knew how, which might have been with abuse and with dealing with it by by drinking to forget. And those aren't good choices. He's definitely, you know, not winning Father of the Year anytime soon. Well, he's also dead, but um, that 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 he, he still, you know, he wanted to raise a strong family. He wanted his son to be strong. You know, he keeps saying, you know, um, this is what you should have done because it makes you stronger. This is how you should have reacted because it's, I, I don't want a weak son. It's, Again, terrible father, but he's doing what he thinks is best. In the same way, Bruce always tries to choose the best. I mean, you'd 
consider anyone not a Batman fan if they said that Batman is making choices not based on what he thinks is the right thing to do, because that's what Batman prides himself on, um, is always doing the right thing, or at least what he thinks is the right thing, right? So there's that parallel of both fathers raise their son, how they think a man should be. It's just one is a terrible man, and one is a not-so-terrible man. And that's an excellent point. You, you did a much better job of explaining that. <laughs> that's why we have her on, but she's great. <laughs> so, my second question is, I had a real problem with the 300-kilometer walk. I know, <laughs> I know he's Batman. I know it's because I'm Batman. Right. But 300 kilometers, two full days walking, no sleep, apparently no real food, definitely no water because it would have frozen on his mouth. Mm-hmm. In weather I, that could freeze engines. I know that he's bad. I know <laughs> that he's just this symbol of indomitable will, but I couldn't take this seriously. Uh, could you guys take... What was your reaction to just how ridiculously hardcore that final scene? I, I agree. It's an amazing effect. If this were a movie, it'd just be like on the snow and it'd be like this ominous Terminator thing but I'm just like okay and and you just walked 300 kilometers to get there you're gonna die of exhaustion not be able to fight this lethal assassin okay so my my take on this was I had to look up to see what the it converted to how many kilometers go into a mile so 300 kilometers roughly translate to 186 and a half miles that's an enormous amount of miles it takes two days so you it's basically roughly like four miles an hour some you know a little less than that but like 3.75 miles per hour or something like that the thing is i don't know i i mean i i don't understand two things one if it took out three bat planes like the engines of three bat planes how is he able to do this himself? Like, how is he able to walk, you know, with with whatever it may be, whatever thermal gear, magic, uh, you know, parka he has? How in the world can it take out three mm-hmm. engines? But that's what fine? I'm asking. Did this mm-hmm. break that make your suspension of disbelief? It did for me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I like when they sat there and said it was so far away that like nobody would ever come to help. I was like. Okay, well, they're just trying to make it seem like it's that, you know, it's really, really out there. And there's no real super easy way to get there. Of all the places, I guess the thing that I don't understand is, of all the places for KGBs to go, why did he go there? Like, that's the thing I guess I don't understand. Like, it's I guess it's one thing if, like, he had some sort of reason, but, like, he's running from, not running, but... He's trying to get away from what he would assume Batman coming after him. So he decides to go to his father's place, which just happens to be some place that other people might know about because that's how Batman finds out about it. And he goes there and he decides he needs to kill his father at that very moment. Of all the times to do that, it just seems like the weirdest time frame for it. I will agree the entire crunch crunch through the snow would be a crazy great cinematic you know, scene, but for the idea of what they're trying to accomplish here, I just don't get it. I don't understand the connections. I mean, like the the parallels, like Steph pointed out, it definitely there, but it feels like I don't know. Like I, I don't 
I don't know if I would say forced, but I don't understand why it's happening. This doesn't seem like some guy who basically got into the States, lying about who he was, got a gun, got, you know, set this all up, was impersonating somebody else. Nobody knew who he was the entire time. He shoots Dick and then he just leaves and he decides, now's the time that I'm going to go back to Russia and I'm going to trek, you know, through the snow for two days and I'm going to go get to my father's house so that I can tell him, you know, I appreciate what you did, but I'm going to kill you anyway because whatever. <laughs> and then I'm going to share a drink with him and shoot him in the head. And then I'm just going to, I'm going to wait because of oh, course yeah. Batman's going to be trying to find me because of all this happening. So now I'm just going to, I'm going to shoot my dad and then just happen to hear the crunch, crunch, crunch of snow through the air. And now I know that Batman's coming to get me. And I also am away two days away from anything that's out there. So like, it's not like he can escape. Why would you choose to do that? It doesn't That's make any sense. That's another good point. He was only there for like an hour at most, which means that Batman was just an hour behind him on the two-day walk. Well, I, okay. What uh, ruined it for me was that, okay, it took Batman. So, to be fair, 300 kilometers, sure, but he did cover some of that with his bat technology, right? So he's not walking for 300 kilometers Probably a large portion of that, but again, it's silly that he's alive. But my, what ruined it for me was thinking, wait, so Batman, with all of his stuff, can barely make it. How in the world did KJ Beast make it there himself? Yeah. <laughs> how, how exactly does Batman have three different <laughs> bat planes that somehow can't make it through sub-zero temperatures, but he can send things to I know, space? I was thinking, like, why didn't he just fly over it like, and, then, and then parachute in? Parachute in or something. <laughs> I'm like, come on. Teleporter. It doesn't we make know any they sense. Have it. A boom tube. I mean, like, I think on. could fly him there. Oh. It was probably more to demonstrate how pissed off he is and how angry he is. But it is a very. Yeah, like how much yeah, he was willing it, to risk to, 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 to get, go about getting it's justice. Completely for what yeah. It's and completely over the top. It's completely over the top. It's too ludicrous. It, it breaks me out of. I understand the emotional effect I'm supposed to have, but I know that, and it, I just laugh because I'm sitting here thinking, two days, no sleeping, no eating, just walking the snow. Batman is now dead. I tell you what I loved about this panel, though, like where he's walking through the snow is is we, and this is one thing, one one of a long list of issues I have with Detective Comics right now is that you can actually see his progression of through the red tape and and what he had to go through. And I thought that was, I don't know, funny or interesting, or at least an, 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 a look at Batman we don't normally get, which is, you know, how to navigate the red tape. Um, yeah, I agree. I thought that little dialogue sort of trail over his walking on the snow mm -hmm. was well done. Good job on talking. <laughs> and that kind of irredeemed it for me a little bit, but it was still very silly. And I have to, I have to mention this before we get to our rating. I have to say the thing that took me out of this issue from the very beginning and the thing that like frustrated me the most was, like I said earlier when we were talking about this, I don't understand how we went from Dick being shot in the head to he's going to find KGBs, but we don't see any of like the aftermath of what's going on with Dick other than he's in the hospital. I don't understand it. Like if you're trying to get these emotional aspects across for the character, and this is like the whole point of what he's trying to do. He's trying to show how much Bane is 
messing with Batman's head. He's trying to break him emotionally. He did it with Catwoman. Now he's trying to do it with Dick. Why don't we ever see what is actually happening to Batman? Why don't we see his reactions? Why are we seeing it like issues later when he gets all angry and you see him rage about something? Like, why is it always issues later that it happens? The easiest way to show the emotional reaction for Batman in a situation where Dick Grayson gets shot is the immediate reaction to him reacting to him sitting there holding Dick as he's bleeding out from the head. That would be a moment rushing and seeing how he reacts to get Dick help, to get Dick, you know, the best treatment he can, how he has to do that in his Bruce persona. You know, that's that's the way you would assume to do it. Like, and that's not to say you can't do it differently. I get that that's what he's doing. He's doing it differently. But I don't understand why you build up this relationship between Dick and Batman so much to then have him just be the, I'm going to be the avenging Bat, and that's who I am, and I'm just going to go, you know... Pound, pound some fists into some people's faces because I'm super pissed. Why is that always his response? I don't get it. That's not what Batman is all about. It's not something bad happens. I beat the crap out of somebody. That's not I'm all going to Batman contradict you is. just a little bit. Um, one, I would totally love to have seen him react emotionally. That You're absolutely right. The immediate aftermath of oh my gosh, how is my son? Is he alive? Get him the treatment he needs. But we can kind of assume maybe at least I did. And again, this is the <laughs> using your imagination to fill in the gaps. Um, off that, panel line. Off panel line. That all that has already taken place. And now, not to bring real life into this too much, but last year, my husband was in the hospital for something relatively minor. Um, but before he got released, something relatively major happened. And and he he the moment I saw that he was okay and they told me, you know, he's he's doesn't have enough food. I left the hospital. I got in my car. I drove to Chick-fil-A and I got him a sandwich. And then I came back because I was like, my husband is hungry. He, he almost died because he's hungry. Here, have a sandwich. Like, I needed to leave and have some control over what was going on and and do, and do feel like I was doing something because, like, I couldn't just stand there and watch the doctors, you know, check his vitals and do all this stuff. I, was, I couldn't. I couldn't stand there and watch it. I needed to do something. And I feel like Batman is a control freak like I am. And, and... It's like, okay, I know my son is okay, because again, assuming that he's okay, you know, I need to go, I need to go find KJ Beast. But how is taking KJ Beast out this, like, I I get, I I definitely understand what you're saying. You're trying to Mm -hmm. have control over the situation, but how is going after KJ Beast having control over the situation? Unless KJ Beast is still out there waiting to kill Dick. And that's the thing. I don't see it as the same thing. I see it as... Bruce is like if Bruce the, the the thing in my mind would be he gets shot we see the reaction of him going to the hospital and Bruce being like I don't care yeah. which specialist I got to fly in he flies in the specialist yeah. that would be him controlling the situation him going after KG Beast doesn't seem like the same thing in the mm-hmm, in the parallel mm-hmm. of like what you're saying it would be like the doctor saying he doesn't have enough food you instead of going to get a sandwich because he doesn't get enough food you decide <laughs> to go beat up the nurse in the hallway who didn't give him his food and like right. it doesn't no, make any sense, sense no, I, get to me. I don't know but grief also makes you do weird things. That's true, and we know yes. that grief makes Batman. I kind of would like. Too. I like this so. better than what happened in Officer Down, where Batman spent days just sitting by James Gordon's side, doing nothing, saying nothing, and everyone else is like, "Yeah, I wouldn't want that." Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like a midway. Yeah, point. yeah, I don't it's want like that either. See, I am comparing this to what 
But like, why wouldn't you dis? What? Here's my thing, and I hate to cut you off, Ian, but why wouldn't you use the Bat Family and like dispatch the Bat Family to go after KG Beast? Well, Jason's not because, available. Because I mean, let's be honest Jim here. Is not available. Mia. Are you kidding me? <laughs> These people would be available if Bruce was like, "Hey, everybody." Uh, let's all pick up the bat phone here. Guess what? Dick Grayson just got shot in the head. It was KG Beast. All hands on deck. You're telling me that not everybody, at least in the characters that we all know, in character, they would mm-hmm. all be like, what do we need to do? I mean, Tell us what you do. are right. They would all but be hands down. But clearly editorial is wrong. But what I was going to yeah, say is exactly. I, um, I'm comparing this to what happened when Batman found out that Tim Drake was alive. And he just spent all his time hunting for Tim, and then when Tim came back from in a lonely place of living, he bought the freaking hospital <laughs> and just charges in the room and hugs his son. And that's... I mean, obviously, that's a positive moment rather mm-hmm. than a negative moment of dicking shot, but that's the kind of writing I like to see from, from Batman and his sons. Not... I think this is a little too... too stoic, too... Too far on the control freak, and I, I would agree with stuff completely. Batman's a control freak. I can understand the impulse, but you, I think you should really balance it with some tender moments with Dick and Bruce in the present. Like we got the past tender moments, but I think for the relationship to feel real and close, I think you need to show some, even a panel of him holding Dick's mm-hmm. hand in the, the the ambulance or something. I think I think it went a little too far. Do you know what would have been interesting is is to almost keep. Keep the KJB's. K, I don't know, keep saying KJB's. The KGB's um, father scenes and parallel that with Bruce taking care of Dick and taking him to the hospital and and somehow you know paralleling the love of, of Bruce for Dick in that way instead of. Yeah, yeah. that would be good. That would have been Finger actually hand. a better Step way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Batman, I'm going to oh, give two and a I, half. I did. I loved the art. I really loved. I did like a lot the the. The story of KG Beast and his and his father. Um, I don't know three three and a half. I, I actually did like it a lot. It looks like I gave it four. I'm I'm kind of puzzled it passed me to give it four, <laughs> but I guess that's what I did. I, I think there's a lot of good craft. I do agree that the art was much stronger on this than the first issue. Uh, I really like the colors. There's a lot of like great snow colors in this one. So that's probably partly why I gave it such a high. But I guess I'm going with four out of five. You gave it a three. I'm not sure where you. Oh man, this lack of stars is killing me. I don't. <laughs> I don't even know what my ratings are anymore. Yes. So, so if uh, you have been reading comic reviews on the site, you may have noticed we used to have stars because obviously we didn't have batarangs, so we had to use stars. And there's two. For those of you who are unfamiliar, WordPress is what we use on the site. You don't need to know about that, but there's two different review plugins that were out there. One allowed you to do a number. And they would just give you a percentage based off of whatever number you gave. But it was basically out of 10, and you could just do whatever you did, and they would give a percentage. That was also the only way that you could get user ratings as well. So, like, users could say, I read the book, this is what I gave it, and they could rate it out of that money too, that much too. And then it would give, in turn, a specific rating based off of that. The issue is that the one that actually said the stars that we used on the site, the plugin updated, said we needed to download some stuff. We did all the downloading, and it, we can't get it to work again. It's just broke. And I've been working behind the scenes trying to get a new thing put together, but we're going to probably have to build a widget 
for, you know, completely from scratch ourselves, which is going to take some time because we don't have, you know, unlimited funds to just build whatever kinds of stuff we want for the site. So in the meantime, it just shows the percentage, which it shows 60%, which would be, would translate to three out of five. Um, and then the stars that show at the bottom are actually the user's rating, which there was three votes, which gives it an average rating of 76 from the users. But that's that's that. So if you're confused, you're not the only one. Uh, Ian's confused. Sometimes I get confused when I'm writing the review roundups. Um, it's super stressful, and I, I hate it. I wish it would just go back to the way it was. But I apologize for those of you who haven't seen it. So I'm going to assume that Ian's going to stick yeah, with his I, three, much more, I not his like four. I feel like that reflects my actual feelings <laughs> both then and now. So three out of yes. five. All right, so that's going to give Batman a total of three out of five batterings. Let's move into our next and last book, Detective Comics. All right, Detective Comics, number 990, written by James Robinson, art by Steven Segovia. Uh, Batman asks if Two-Face has anything to say to him, and he responds he should ask Jim Gordon about it. He tells his gang of mercenaries to kill Batman. Batman comments why he picked these insepid goons. He states that he has faced new gods. These hired hands who shoot like stormtroopers are not even a test. Two-Face states he lured Batman with a flimsy trail so that he could reason with an old friend. He tells Batman that Harvey died when he hit acid with his face. Uh, when will he learn his friend is dead? Two-Face ignites a bomb and Batman nearly escapes with two of the goons he knocked out earlier. Outside Wayne Manor, Duke Thomas informs Bruce of his progress. As the signal, he gained intelligence about Two-Face. He states some of the broker's goons admitted to helping Dent set up his bases. Bruce thought about the word bases. He assumed as such that it would make no sense for him to put so much time and resources in only one base, only to blow it up. The last bit of intel Duke shares is that Cobra is back in town. Over at the GCPD, the lights in the building go out, and, you, and you, an officer informs Detective Bullock that the backup generator has not kicked in, the lights are permanently out. Upstairs, Gordon is on the phone with the Gotham Municipal Energy to restore the power. In his experience, when the power goes out in a building in Gotham, nothing good ever happens. On cue, Cobra soldiers enter the main lobby and gun down all of the soldiers they can see. Out of nowhere, Two-Face runs through the lobby, shooting these Cobra assailants. Specifically, he saves Gordon, who is trapped in the stairwell. Two-Face recognizes that he just saved Jim. They meet eye-to-eye, and Gordon realizes his old friend Harvey saved him. Gordon enters the lobby and comments on how this whole place is a slaughterhouse. Then he decides to head over to Bullock and ask for a summary of what's been going on. Specifically, Gordon wants to know if he or his men saw Two-Face. Bullock states that it was too dark to recognize their guardian angel. So it's the $2 million question. Why would he have saved them? Batman informs Gordon that he is on his way to meet Two-Face and see what he, why he was at GCPD. At the Robert H. Kane Memorial Bridge, Bruce walks in on Two-Face at his apartment. He asks for there not to be a fight. He only comes to make a truce and to talk. I'm gonna... I'm a, uh, here's the thing. We're running a little bit low on time, and I'm gonna be honest here. I, I absolutely <laughs> despise this issue. Um, yeah. I, the, the, the dialogue was just horrendous. And, and the, art didn't the, make the sense. only redeeming fact... The, the, well, I actually enjoyed the art. There, the, I mean, there was problems I'm talking with about the, the story art too, but I like feel like it had to polish. Okay, well, I the the yes, exactly the way the story was written. There was issues, but I feel like it all had it all came down to what was written. So this may come as a cop out, and I feel like 
there's probably going to be some longtime listeners going to be like, oh, crap, they're going back to their old negative ways. And that's not to say that Ian and Steph were part of that, but I was always part of that. It's going to sound like we're very negative based off of everything we're talking about today, and I don't know why it is. I have uh, an issue with my throat. I'm not blaming my throat, but uh, I don't know. I just, I guess I'm in a grumpy mood or something. I don't know. But uh, some listeners are probably going to say this is a cop-out, but I'm just going to say it. Um, I only have one question for you, and the question of the day for this issue is, why are we getting this story? Because editorial... Uh is bad at their job and refuses to... I say this every every issue. I don't look forward to Peter Tomasi's run, but he at least has a plan. I know he has a plan. They should have put him on right after Hill was done. There is fan fiction better than this. They should have just plagiarized some poor teenager's story on, you know, fanfiction.net or whatever you... And, and just that would have been better. It would have been more enjoyable. Less legal, but more enjoyable. I honestly, I don't get it. I, I really don't. I mean, the thing is, this story makes no sense. Like, James Robinson is doing his best job of trying to, like, t- make sure everybody knows that, hey, this is not an inventory arc, even though it, it definitely is, because he keeps referencing all these other things that are happening in the other books. Um, not, like, a ton, but there's enough there where you can tell it's just not, like, a, an arc that was written, like, ages ago, and they're just plugging it in now. But... It's one of those things where I just don't get it. Like, I'll, I'll say this. The intent of having Two-Face come back after not seeing Two-Face since All-Star Batman was intriguing. What we've gotten so far makes absolutely zero sense. There is nothing in this story that, like, I don't care. What was the point of having Cobra come into GCPD? Why Why did they come there? Why does Two-Face show up? Sure, we'll get the explanation probably to why the Two-Face showed up. Why is it that... Yeah, I, I mean, it probably will. I mean, like, I just don't get it. I don't understand how we went from James Tynan's, like, super connected everything to, yeah, we have one 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 issue in between Tynan and Hill, but that issue was actually pretty decent for just being a standalone issue, to Hill's being pretty connected to, at least referencing back to what Tynan was doing, kind of like a transitional from going from, you know, the Gotham Knights where it's Batman and a group of, of team members to Batman and a smaller group of team members possibly setting up, you know, more of like, as we hear so often, the detective, uh, you know, the detective stories of Batman because detective is in the name of the word. And here's the thing. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't have a problem with detective stories. I don't have a problem with standalone Batman stories, but I don't feel like a book like Detective Comics is the place for it. And here's why. Detective Comics has a legacy. I mean, we're going to be hitting a thousand issues next next year. Early next year, too. It's like March, April of next year is when Detective Comics number 1000 hits. When that issue hits, that's a legacy that is humongous. Action Comics, sure, has been around for a thousand issues, too. But it actually hasn't been around as long. Because Action Comics has been rebooted multiple times over the years. Way more than Detective. Detective actually ran up through up to New 52 and then it ended but action comics i think they rebooted it and re like adjusted the numbering a couple of times and detective comics never did that because i remember distinctly detective comics getting like a world record of like the longest running comic series before the new 52 happened 
it's like the San Diego before the New 52 where they got like a world record for the longest running comic and then all of a sudden it all went to crap because the New 52 happened and they, they insisted on renumbering everything. And they tried to act like renumbering action comics was a big deal, but they had already done it multiple times. My point is, Detective Comics is a legacy book. As much as Batman is the top-selling book of the Bat books, Detective Comics is still a book that they're not just going to get rid of because of how long it has been around. It should be treated as such. It shouldn't just be simplistic stories that talk about what Batman does every single night. It, it shouldn't be like that. It should have some sort of lasting impact. I honestly believe that detectives should tell just as good, if not better, stories than what we get in Batman, just because it is been it has been around longer than Batman. Sure, Batman has the title called Batman, and it sells well because of that title, regardless of the content of in the book. And that's that's not, that's not just my bias; that's a true proven fact. Um, but Detective Comics should sell just as well because Batman's a character. I mean, it's been around where the vast majority of comic book readers. You say Detective Comics, they know it's Batman, or at the very least, Batman Universe characters. And the thing is, when you have these just, like, generic Batman fights a villain story, and there's no, like, immediate payoff or impact on what's going on, it just doesn't make any sense. You could do you could do a story like that anywhere, but you should not be doing it in one of the longest-running comic book series of all time. It just shouldn't be happening, so... I don't, you know, have the the history or or the appreciation for the legacy, but it it's just it's not good. Like Batman is written poorly. The art isn't. I didn't like the art all that much. Um, there's no detecting. Batman just knows everything. Duke's appearance in here is almost like he could have just been the Bat computer. <laughs> could have been anybody. It could have been anybody. It literally um, could have been anybody. One of yeah. I know the TV show Gotham is is you know a favorite here on the podcast. But one thing that happens way too much <laughs> in that show is that peep is that the GCPD bullpen gets shot out. It's like every I think twice a season, half the cops in Gotham get shot just because someone walks in, and and it's bad. You know, it's always bad. And it's like, why? Why is that happening in the comics? It's the comics are better than that. Um, and it's just, oh, and the, yeah, it's there's a whole there's I could talk on and on and on, but it's it's just it's it's just yeah. bad. It's insulting, I think, <laughs> that like you were saying, one of the legacy books is is that this is what we're getting. It just goes to my relative frustration since Tynan left. And I liked Brian Hill, but it seems like since May of this year, DC has been unable or unwilling to commit to serious long-term stories by a consistent creative team on any title except Batman. And we've just gotten fill-in arc after fill-in arc on Wonder Woman, Aquaman... Now, technically, it's not filling an Aquaman, but it's clearly vamping for time until we get the reboot next month. Yes, and I think that's happening a lot, a lot of, of the books. The books. I think it's just like every the, a lot of these books are just in like this holding pattern fill in for some team unknown reason. Fill in team, and I'm not just talking about the art for the double shipping. I'm talking about writers that just throwing these writers. James Robinson's the worst one of the lot in terms of his fill in work. I mean, I've got a lot of heat about not liking James Robinson before, but I think no one can really defend what he's doing right now. I mean, I guess some people could, but no one I know is defending it right now. And they need 
they need to have a direction for the entire mm-hmm. line, the entire universe, and they clearly don't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that because, quite honestly, I just don't want to spend any more time talking about something that I just was really, really super frustrated Same. with reading. Um, I would, I, I honestly want to give it like a zero out of five, but I did, I did enjoy some of the art. Um, that's not to say that it like benefited the issue at all, but because the dialogue and the writing is so bad, it just takes away from so much of it. Um, I'm going to give it a one out of five. And that is literally only because of the art. Um, there's, there's issues with the art, but I'm going to chalk it up to the writer. Just, just so everybody knows that there, there's different ways that people give ratings. I know that there are some people on the site, some staff that they take the rating and they say, all right, it's out of five, two and a half is designated towards the art. Two and a half is designated towards the writing. What do I rate the art and the, the writing for? I, I don't work that way. I work as it is a, it's a singular book, regardless of whether the art, the art could be like the most amazing piece of art you could see. It could win awards, but if the writing sucks and the story sucks, it's not going to win awards. It's just how it works. Like you can have the best artist in the world writing or, you know, doing the art for the worst written stuff and no one's going to care. It doesn't matter. So that's the thing. So, like, I just want to clarify that. So, Zero one out of five. five. Out of five. Mm, one out of five. This is terrible. All right. And over on the site, Tony also gave it one out of five. So that's going to give Detective Comics a total of one out of five. Honestly, no. if you haven't picked it up, just just wait till Tomasi comes because it's not worth it even to get on board at this point. And Which I hate saying. This then, is detective. Yeah, it really does. Comics. But like, I really hope that the sales do drop, and that I, it would suck because sales once they drop, it's very difficult for them to go back up. It's very difficult for especially established. I mean, they're going to get a massive sales bump on a thousand, but it would suck if yes, that was the only reason that sales bumped. Yes, and the thing is, ultimately, it just comes down to I can't see this series recovering before 1000 because of what they're doing with this brian hill stuff was good if the people if people were reading titans hills was a great story to like come after it but at the same time like this james robinson thing i don't know what they were thinking like obviously i would have preferred if tomasi you know they just skipped the james robinson thing and had tomasi come on and maybe that was the intent all along because tomasi had been saying that, you know, he was going to be working on a project. And I think the assumption out there and a lot of rumors out there was that he was going to be working on detective comics. And for whatever reason, he couldn't come on as late, as early as he, as early as like the end of Hill's story. And that's why we got this Robinson story. But man, oh man, I, I really hope that the sales do drop just for the sheer fact that I hope DC realizes that this was a really bad Stop idea. Stop putting a Robinson really on books. <laughs> all right, so that is all of our main books. Let's over to the site for Greater Gotham. Breezing through here, 
Starting off on October 3rd, we had Main TV Books, where we talked about Batman number 56. Nightwing number 50, Dick Grayson tries to move on from the events that happened in Batman number 55 by taking on a new identity as friends try and talk him out of it. This is by Adil. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral trending I give it a thumbs up with understanding of why people hate it. Thumbs up. And I'll say this, if you want to learn more about Nightwing number 50, Nightwing number 50 is actually going to be the first TBU extra for the month for our Patreon supporters. So if you are supporting us at the $10 level or higher, uh, you actually will be hearing uh, some of the staff talk about Nightwing number 50 uh, just in a little bit of time. Or by the time you're listening to this, it might actually already be out. But that is the TBU extra, the first TBU extra for the month. So. If you are a Patreon supporter, that's what you can look forward to. If you're not, support us if you want to learn more about feelings about Nightwing number 50. Harley Quinn number 51, Captain Triumph, a golden age hero trapped in our time by Harley by accident, struggles to adjust to life in the modern world as Harley tries to make him feel better. This is by David. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Abstain. Secondary TBU books, Batman the Max, The Max, Arkham Dreams number one, A New Dark Knight is on the streets of Gotham and Batman intends to find out who it is. Sued by Bob, he gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Upstain. Thumbs down. Main DC Universe books, Adventures of the Super Sons number three, after being split into two versions of himself, Superboy must get control of his selves to help Robin battle a team of alien child supervillains. This is by Bill. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Way up. It's awesome and hilarious. Deathstroke number 36, Slade Wilson, trapped in Arkham Asylum, finds for fights for sanity as all avenues to reality warp around him. This is by Ian. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up, question mark. <laughs> Justice League number nine. The League experiences some rare downtime as Superman deals with a threat in space. This is by Corbin. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Upstain. Wonder Woman, Justice League Dark, The Witching Hour number one. The Justice League ignore Diana and Zatanna's call for help when Hectate, Hectate is what I'm going to say, but I doubt that's right. Uh, I, wa- I-, I want to say... Uh, Hecate, uh, like Tecate uh, beer, but I don't think that's right, so I'm going to stick with Hectate for now, uh, arrives, and that was read by Tony. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give that one a neutral. Abstain. If you, we, we covered that specifically because that is tying into what's happening in Justice League Dark. There's also a crossover between that and Wonder Woman, uh, the, the normal Wonder Woman series as well, so that's why we covered it. Uh, so there's that. Okay, secondary DC Universe books, Green Arrow number 45, Nightwing, Red Hood, and Barbara Gordon all appear in the issue. Injustice 2 number 35, which includes digital chapters number 69 through 70, the Injustice versions of Deadshot, Man Bat, Killer Croc, Orca, Poison Ivy, and Ra's al Ghul all appear in the issue. Moving over to October 10th, we have main TBU books. We already talked about the horrific tale of Detective Comics number 990. Red Hood Outlaw number 27. Shortly after his introduction into the Underlife Gang, Jason stops at the diner in Middle America to learn more about the organization's criminal activities. After a beatdown from some local Underlife members, Jason speaks with Bruce about the death of Roy Harper and his own potential. This is by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Way better than Red Hood number 25. Mm-hmm. I don't know why 
This is just so much better. Catwoman number four. Selina visits her sister Maggie in the hospital and remembers events from their shared past, but there are evil forces that wish to do Selina harm and don't care who gets hurt. This is by Jerry. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs way down. Why would you remember eating your husband's eyeball? <laughs> no. Traumatizing. No secondary no, TV. why did you bring that back? That was wiped out. It was a good thing to be wiped out. All right, no secondary TBU books, <laughs> main DC Universe books, Curse Comics, Cavcalade number one, a group. I'm just, what's the way, right way of saying that? I, I think I know it's Cavalcade. That is Cavalcade. right, Cavalcade. All right, Curse Comics, Cavalcade number one, a group of 10 short spooky stories featuring various members of the DC Universe. So you buy Paul, he gave it three out of five. If you're wondering, Catwoman, Batman, and Robin all have their own stories or stories with other characters, but they all have stories featured in it as far as the Batman universe. Suicides... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to give that one a neutral. Thumbs up, but I really wish they had, like, killed off some superheroes for fun, but they didn't. It was all... It all could have been in continuity, and they didn't have enough fun with it, I don't think, as they could have. I'm going to give it a neutral. It was fun, but this is not worth ten bucks. Yeah. This is, like... It's way too expensive, but it's I think fun. the problem is that there's just there they do this. They, okay, the problem is that every single one of these, and Paul has been reviewing. He reviewed the villain special back, the, like the beach blanket special that happened mm-hmm. in July. He has like the best way of phrasing it. He he basically says like these 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 things are just basically they're complete mixed bags. You get some stories that are really good. Yeah. You get mm-hmm. some stories that are just not very good at all, and then you get the some Batman stories that are just good. like. What were the like? I, <laughs> clearly, they're trying to do something here, but like, I don't understand what they're trying to do. The problem well, is, well, this one I know what they're trying to do. This is clearly the haunted house Halloween stories, and they had a formula. Like every single one of these stories ends with the villain like showing up somewhere else. It's like they got beaten, but they show up somewhere else. And I'm just sitting here thinking, you gave everyone a script, didn't you? <laughs> I wish they, yeah, like, it, when you're doing these Halloween specials, they don't have to be in continuity. You can do whatever you want, and they all had semi-happy endings, and the good guy wins, and it's like, ugh, that's, bleh. Yeah, like, if anything, it would be cool to get something that, you know, is not, like, what, wouldn't it be cool if they did a Halloween special where, like, the, the like, Scarecrow infects a bunch of people at Arkham or something, and you see their fears, but mm-hmm. they're but each of the villains or it doesn't have to be the Arkham or whatever because that would just mostly Batman characters. But like you get like a group of characters that somehow get or even the heroes that would even be more interesting. Like mm-hmm. just seeing their their like ultimate fear of what could happen and you mm-hmm. see them dying. But by the end of the entire like collection, you realize that well this isn't all real because this was just what their fears were. Mm-hmm. So none of them actually die. Still, all could be within continuity. But this is what the the they ultimately fear. That would be a cool mm-hmm. take on it. But. That would be cool too. All right, Suicide Squad number forty seven. Captain Boomerang is allowed to take a trip back to Australia to deal to deal with a spy mission. This would be like Bobby, give it four out of five. I'm gonna give this one a neutral. Thumbs up with a desire for a Captain Boomerang super spy book. <laughs> Titans number twenty seven. The Titans cope with the loss of one of their own, while one is critically injured. This is by Paul. He give it one and a half out of five. I'm gonna give this one a thumbs down. Neutral, tending trending down. 
Thumbs down. I honestly feel I I'm, I wasn't joking earlier when I said that if Nightwing is not going to be in Titans, we will not be covering Titans anymore. Um, I just I mean I like Kyle Rayner, but he's not worth reading this garbage. All right, uh, secondary DC Universe books: Plastic Man number five, Hugo Strange, Man Bat, and Crazy Quilt appear in the issue. Wonder Woman number fifty-six, Bat- Man Bat appears alongside Justice Dark. As far as TBU trades and hardcovers that have released in the past two weeks, we've got Batman Night Quest, The Crusade Volume Two trade paperback, Batman White Knight trade paperback, Harley Quinn by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, Omnibus Volume Two hardcover, Justice League: The Dark Side War DC Essential Edition trade paperback, Teen Titans Volume Three, The Re- the Return of Kid Flash trade paperback, Suicide Squad Unwrapped by Jim Lee hardcover, Red Hood and the Outlaws, The New 52 Omnibus Volume 1 hardcover, Absolute Kingdom Come New Edition hardcover. That is everything that's released in the past two weeks. Again, as always, if we gave a thumbs up, thumbs down, or neutral rating, or even abstained, all of those books have full reviews and synopsises over on the site. So you can check out those. We review all kinds of comics every single week. Wednesdays are all the Batman books. Thursday is all the Greater Gotham stuff, and then Fridays is all the DC Universe titles like the team books and things like that. So if you are interested in any of those reviews, be sure to head over to the site every Monday, Wednesday, every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for all kinds of review content over on the site. Literally every single week, there's at least five books that we cover. There are some weeks that we have way more than that. There are literally some we have over 10. So there's a lot of books we review. So if you are interested in that, take a look. And if you do take a look and you are finding those reviews interesting please be sure to comment on those reviews because the writers of those reviews always love interacting with the people who are actually reading the reviews so be sure to do that as well or join us on discord and interact with the writers directly we're always up to talk about what we wrote there are tons of pretty much I'd say the vast majority of the staff that writes reviews on the site is very active over on the discord if you have not joined our Discord, please do. Um, it doesn't take anything more than just having an email. You can literally sign up, pick your username, and then just jump right in. If you go to, if you get in it, to the website, or if you go to thebatmanuniverse.net, there's a link in the sidebar. You click on that, you get to the welcome menu. There's a list of rules just to read through. You you just type in question mark agree the symbol question mark agree and then you're in and you will be around at least 30 other bat fans including staff from the batman universe and uh you can talk about all kinds of stuff there was big discussions about titans because that just premiered there's big discussion about all kinds of news coming out of new york comic-con there's talk about all the comics every single week the new comics that release all kinds of stuff to talk about so be sure to check that out if you haven't already if there's any DC staff listening, our Nightwing boards just had some excellent ideas for other plots, like sending him to Hawaii as a lifeguard or something. Which I don't <laughs> see happening, but... I would read it over what we're getting now. All right, so, um, unfortunately, we are not going to get to listener Q&As this episode or a Monkey Watch, mostly because we just had that massive conversation about the direction of the books earlier, which I'm sure the vast majority of our listeners actually enjoyed us talking about that. Um, But that's going to keep us from reading listener Q&As and getting into Monkey Watch. However, before I go, or before we go, because it's not just me here, obviously, uh, before we go, I do want to thank our Patreon supporters, Captain DC, Robert Lewis, Irwin, Ian, uh, Anthony, Arturo, Brian, Jay Dutton, 
We all know Deuces and Donald. Thank you very much for supporting us. Uh, thank you to all of our Patreon supporters, especially uh, those who are supporting us at the higher levels. If you are so inclined to support us on Patreon, there are rewards available. Um, while you're listening to this, if you join or even if you don't join, you can actually take a look. I'm going to make the post public because I didn't realize I was not doing this before. But if you are actually at the $10 tier, which not only gets you two episodes of TB Raw, which is Ed and myself talking about a variety of topics twice a month, but also TBU Extra, which is staff from the, the BatmanUniverse.net talking about two additional comics and reviewing them every single month. You also are entered into a quarterly prize package. And because the holidays are around, I wanted to kind of go a little bit out there and get some crazy prizes. The prize package I has grown grown significantly in the last couple of weeks because I've gotten some new items sent to us from Eagle Moss Collections and Foco, which is a newer company that's got a DC license. So there's a lot of stuff in addition to some stuff that I had gotten before when I was planning this. So I don't have a total value. I'll have the total value. But if you're not a Patreon supporter, you'll still be able to go to patreon.com slash the Batman universe and actually see the post that says what the prize package is and see what it is. Uh, the goal is to have everybody enter by the time December rolls around and you get uh, all the charges go through for the beginning of December, we'll pick a winner and that prize package will get sent out and shipped so it arrives before Christmas. So if you are so inclined, you could get a massive prize package and just use it to give gifts to your entire family. I'll just say that. Can, are you entered by any any level or, so you, or just the higher the ten the $10 tier you're entered okay. in if you are in the uh, any of the tiers from $10 up you get you get an entry multiple months you can also just do one $10 tier for the next three months and you will get you'll just get one entry but you still have an entry into it mm-hmm. so you're not forced to do $10 every single month you just have to do $10 for at least one month to get an entry into the price mm-hmm. so <laughs> that's how it works so I encourage you to do that if you haven't. Obviously, the higher we get to our goal of $300 per month, which is the goal we need to kind of get to to make sure we have the ability to bring back the Batman Universe podcast, which is our next goal. That is what we're aiming for. Uh, Ed and I are, are are already in the works of getting everything ready to bring back the Batman Universe podcast. We just need to get as close as possible to that goal. So, like... We greatly appreciate there have been some actual new supporters that have come on board in the last month. If you're listening to this, I'm assuming some of you who are listening to this have actually taken upon yourself to come and join because I don't know if you're not listening to this, how many people, the problem is I don't know where people come from who are supporting us. I don't know if they're coming from another podcast or if they're specifically listening to us. I would assume they're listening to the comic cast, but then again, I don't know. So that all being said, I encourage you to support us. If you don't wish to support us on Patreon and you just like to do a one-time donation, you can do so by going to the website, clicking the support TBU at the top menu bar. That will allow you to get a link to the PayPal where you can just send us money via PayPal using any form of payment, bank account, credit card, and it's all secure. So you don't have to worry about that. And you don't have to worry about reoccurring charges if that's what your concern is with Patreon. And if you have no desire to give us any monetary uh, funds, by all means, we are always looking for people to review comics, write news for the website, uh, video editors, audio editors, 
graphic designers, people who deal with building websites and, and that kind of stuff, web developing and things like that. So if you have any of those skills or you are aware of people who have those skills who might be able to help us out, please get in touch with us at tbu at thebamanuniverse.net and we will be sure to find a way for you or the people you know to help out TBU. So with that, that is everything for this episode. I will say right before we go that uh, I will give you a small hint of what we were going to talk about, but let's be honest here. If we talked about this, this is going to open up a giant can of worms that we do not have the time to discuss because of the, the limit on how much time we can have for an episode. But our monkey watch was going to be, and I and we will still do this, but it just gives, I guess, my co-host some time to think about this even more. The monkey watch was going to be, if you were to kill any member of the Bat family, which one would it be? And the Bat family is defined as Batman, Dick Grayson, or I should say Batman, Bruce Wayne, Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, Jason Todd, Damian Wayne, uh... Who else did I say? Stephanie Brown. Kate. Stephanie Brown. Kate. Yeah, Kate Kane. Cassandra Kane. Yeah, so it'd have to be one of those characters. It couldn't be like somebody like Harper Rowe who's not on the outs. She's not, you know, like that would be an easy one. Everybody would just say that. I think think Duke Thomas was also on there too. Um, Oh, yeah, he was. I'll I'll be sure to define that. But if you have any take on those, send your comments in um, and we will be sure to use your comments in Monkey Watch for the next uh, episode. Uh, but that will be the next episode. So outside of that, be sure to check out the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course, the comics. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer. There's tons of podcasts posting new episodes of Back to Oracle. Uh, Everyone Loves a Drake. Bat fans, Bat Books for Beginners just posted uh, Batman R.A.P. as their last episode the week prior to you listening to this. Um, so be sure to check that out. Final Crisis is right around the corner. So lots of heavy stuff, especially longtime listeners, because we're, we're actually catching up to where we were before or, you know, when we, when the comic cast first started, which was R.A.P. and Final Crisis. So we're, we're catching up and we're going to be slowly getting to Flashpoint, which is the end point for Bat Books for Beginners. But we still have a bunch of stories to tell, so be sure to check out Bat Books for Beginners. Outside of that, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these news and videos. Join the Discord and chat with staff from the Batman Universe and other Bat fans about all the stuff that's happening within the Batman Universe. With that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Steph. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in three weeks because October is a five-week uh, five Wednesday week months. So we'll see you guys in three weeks. 